This is the Medevac Podcast, powered by the Robert Irvine Foundation. I'm one of your hosts, David Reed. And I'm your other host, Christian Myers. Thank you guys very much for joining us today. If you're new to the Medevac Podcast, keep in mind there's a price for the show. If you uh, get something out of today's episode, you have to share it with a friend or family member. So make sure you do that. Hit that share button, interact with the video somehow. Got to bump those rookie numbers up. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> and definitely... Uh, keep track with our updates at Medevac Podcast by checking out our Instagram at Medevac Podcast. Yeah, at at Medevac Podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I said <laughs> for a lot <laughs> for live updates. Um, that's where you'll get a chance to engage with Christian and myself. Um, we're we're on that all the time. So if you have any uh, potential guests that need to come on the show, any questions for us, or just general questions that you would love us to discuss yeah. on the show, check us out. Constructive criticism. Ooh, constructive. Yeah, keep yeah. it positive. Yeah, yeah. keep, keep it, positive. it positive, please. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, sensitive. I'm sensitive. I am a cancer, <laughs> after all. <laughs> Who is our fabulous guest today? <laughs> He's chuckling at us in the corner. <laughs> please welcome Kevin Burke to the show. Uh, Kevin is a San Antonio firefighter. He's got some pretty cool stories. He's been all over the place, but uh, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm digging the space, by the way. We were talking about it beforehand. This is, yeah. this is a nice setup. Very, very man cave did, did you see any of the uh, previous shows? I had, yeah. I, I Generally, if I'm getting interviewed somewhere, I'll do a little, you know, uh, light stalking or no, research. No, next as people time like when someone asks it. you that, be like, yeah, I'm a diehard fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went I went down the rabbit hole one night at work and just yeah. watched, a, watched a couple of the episodes. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's I, I like this. This is much, it seems much cozier that's, here. That's yeah. kind of the, what we're, the feedback we're getting is, it's more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Cozy. Yeah. Cozy yeah. Is, in here. We've heard that a couple of times. Yeah. 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 It is cozy, but it's it's nice. The other the other space was set up like a, like a TV studio, yeah. And you had producers sitting on the other side. It always made people really uncomfortable. They're like, "Why yeah. are these people watching yeah, me?" And, They're like yeah. moving do- knobs and dials. And, and there shit. would be like seven other people in the office working <laughs> yeah. while we're doing this and trying yeah. to like strip down into like the demons that they faced in yeah. the past. <laughs> it's like somebody clacking, like photoshopping in the corner. He's like, and then I tried to kill myself. You're like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, some PA in the back is showing somebody a stupid meme. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I know. Yeah. 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 So it's a much better studio. We're excited. Yeah. Um, we're excited to have you on. Thanks so much yeah. for coming. Um, we're excited to have first responders on this show yeah. as well. And I think that, uh, you know, bringing more of this, um, you know, the frontline workers mm-hmm. on to this podcast is going to be so important mm-hmm. and, and educate our audience even further. Yeah. 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 In, and I, in, I, to service based industries. Yeah. And I, I appreciate uh, podcasts that do this kind of thing because there's, there's a lot of first responder media and veteran media out there. Yeah. And there's within that sphere, though, there's not a lot of stuff that really gets into that really allows for vulnerability or mm-hmm. that gets into those personal stories. Yeah. Um, so as, as when I, heard from Antonio that you all were interested in having me. I was like, hell yeah, they're yeah. doing something pretty cool over there as far as I understand, you know? So, Thanks. Yeah. We, yeah. We, a lot of them are very surface level. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of the issue we saw is, mm-hmm. yeah, we could talk about, you know, 22 veterans a day killing themselves. But what does that, what does that actually mean? Like, yeah. why are they doing it? Let's talk, let's get these stories. Same thing with, with first responders. Mm-hmm. Like there's a massive influx of, of the suicide rate is spiking right now. Yeah. There's a lot of mental health issues that you guys don't have the same resources that veterans are, mm-hmm. are able to have. So opening up and breaking down these walls and really discussing the why behind it and the individualized stories that, that carry so much more weight than, yes, yes. yep, here's a firefighter, saw some shit, and uh, that was it. Like, yeah. no, wait, well, let's find out what, what what did you experience? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and just allow, and again, just allowing for that that space, especially with like, I don't know, I don't want to get too far on the rabbit hole with some of this, but especially with like dudes, we have trouble 
allowing for that vulnerability, Absolutely. which I think ends up, it makes us our own worst enemy in a ton of ways. Yeah. Um, and I could list off books and all this other stuff about it and things that are really worth reading to really evaluate that. But yeah. Point being, thank you guys yeah. for, for doing this Absolutely. and for, for having me be part of it. That's what it's yeah. all about too. And I, I really like the fact that, you know, every guest who comes in says about the same thing. Yeah. So our audience at this point has got to be trained in the fact that, <laughs> okay, it is, it is, it's, it's officially manly yeah. to show yeah. your feelings. It's yes. manly, manly yes. to cry. It's okay. It's, okay. <laughs> it's, okay. it's, it's human. It's, yeah. it's, you got to. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it's time to like deconstruct the definition of what the masculine is all about. hundred percent. And, and, and realizing that it's, it's, it's the feminine and masculine qualities that you have as an individual that make the best version of yourself. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, I was on, um, multiple calls podcast a few weeks back. They haven't aired the episode yet, but we got into talking about how, you know, cause that's more of a first responder firefighting podcast. Sure. How guys want to go on and on about, Oh, you know, guys don't want to do the hard training. They don't want to do all this. It's like, well, cool. How about you do the hard work of evaluating your emotions and yeah. understanding your own implicit yeah. biases? And well, all if we other can't stuff. even do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's stuff that will, whether you're, you know, a frontline worker will obviously help you on the job. Yeah. Um, but just if you're a human being, which I'm assuming you guys are, you look human. Um, it'll yeah, just help I'm, you. In I'm your actually life. more like a machine. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's more machine than man. Yeah. <laughs> the five million dollar man. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, agreeing. Uh, to uh, spill your heart out. No, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Fuck it. I mean, I, yeah. I've been doing, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm still bad at giving a concise bio because I've done a lot of stuff, which sounds like I'm bragging. I'm not. It's, um, it stresses me out. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I've been doing uh, poetry for the longest time and, mm. and done it competitively and, and, you know, gone on tour and, and book tours and all Com- that kind of stuff. Competitive oh, poetry. Yes. You yes. break that down just a touch. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. Well, we'll sidebar real quick. Yeah. So uh, spoken word is the art form and that's, you know, poetry that's meant to be heard. And yes. then when you do it competitively, that's where slam poetry comes from. That's where that term comes okay. from. Slam poetry. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. remember a 21 jump street. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cynthia. <laughs> Cynthia. I've sat through. I've sat Cynthia through. is dead. Exactly. Beep boop boop. She is dead. <laughs> I have I have sat through enough open mics to tell you that that is not far from the truth. Oh, There's amazing art out there, but they yeah. go to enough spaces where it's like, you're clearly starting out. I'm here to support the art, but good Lord, this is painful. Yeah. Everybody have a drink. I, yeah. <laughs> Can you give us an example of some po- poetry that you worked on? Or is, uh, is that too on the spot? Like that? I have. So I am. I haven't competed in a while, so I don't have stuff memorized, but I, that's why I always bring my backpack with me. Um, okay. Partly because I'm paranoid because I had a bunch of shit stolen from me at one point in time, so I always mm. keep my laptop yeah. on me. I don't blame um, you. If I bring it, um, which I had some homework to work on, so whatever. Uh, but yeah, Antonio told me to bring... He goes, yeah, they might ask you to read something. I don't know. So I got, if you all want to hear something, I can grab that or now yeah, you or later do, or whatever. You want to do that at the end? Yeah. You wanna, let's, let's, we can, sure. We can wrap it with, with uh, that way you can think about which one Slam you poetry. Yeah. Medivac podcast. Anything's a slam poem yeah, if you, you write us say one? it like this. So <laughs> did I, did, you? I did not. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> next time. Man, I'm, I'm working. I got a kid and I'm in yeah. grad school. That's, I don't, I don't get <laughs> Your, like, your East Coast is coming out too. I'm working. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Hey, hey. <laughs> excuses are like assholes, brother. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ill prepared. So uh, I love the tangents that we went on here. Um, I, I want to dive into your story a little bit too. Sure. And and my my favorite question is is you know why did you start with that career? Like why go f- down the firefighting rabbit so, hole here? So uh, that's a. Uh, 
not as an easy of a question to answer as a lot of people. A lot of people are just like, oh, I knew someone who did it and I want to help people. It's mm. like, that's part of it is, you know, it was, I grew up. Um, you just like fire. <laughs> and I do. I play with it all the time. <laughs> Except now I get paid to. Yeah, now I get paid to. Uh, but uh, but uh, like there was a lot of firefighters that were family friends. You know, like I said, I'm from Chicago. My Both my parents were born and raised in the South Side. And hmm. you know, a lot of my family still lives there. And, you know, traditional South Side Irish. I don't know how well you, well, you know Chicago, but that's yeah. where all us goofy Irish Absolutely. people are. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, stereotypes are true in that way where a lot of them were firefighters. So like my grandma worked at a, a hole in the wall bar pretty much the day she died. And hmm. You know, if you've ever been to a dive bar and see like a little kid running around, like that was me. I was that okay. kid. Like me yeah. and my sister. Grew up in the bar. Yeah. 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 And and what was cool is when she'd have family parties, because her bar was right down the street from one of the Chicago fire stations, she'd have, you know, these house parties at the house. Mm-hmm. You got an above ground pool. Fire truck would come by and all the kids go and play. So it's like okay. it's always been in the background. Yeah. Where it like what really what really came down for me is is honestly um largely because of just my own personal politics and being in the punk scene mm. so heavily for so long. Have you read the book Dharma Punks? No, I'm not the, familiar with it. I'm going to send you that one, but th- okay. that was an interesting, interesting, you're going to love that one. Okay. You're going to love it. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I had a huge nine inch tall bright green mohawk for a while and yes. in a band all through college, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And there's such a emphasis in the punk community, especially these days um, where it's much more, community minded and what can you contribute and what mm-hmm. can you bring yeah and yeah. there's the whole idea of you know doing the dishes i'm familiar with that phrase of just it's just a stand-in for like hey if we want things to change we have to do the dirty work no yeah. one wants to do the dishes we do, need to do the dishes yeah um, and so there was that part of it and and just getting you know like the way i explained it to people because when i became a firefighter one of my old bandmates was like i just don't see it and i was like <laughs> what's more punk rock than firefighting you know I, I'm helping people out. I get paid to smash stuff, and I get to make fun of cops with impunity. It's great, <laughs> yeah. like you know. So, so you know, it, like some of that really factored in there. But ultimately, yeah. you know, it did come from a place of wanting to contribute to the community, to mm. wanting to help. And I just saw it as a job that was very pure in that I'm not selling some people crap they don't need. Yeah. I'm not trying to, you know. And and having worked in the film industry prior, what really made me turn away from that was I was on a couple commercial shoots where I'm just like, this product is garbage and we're spending mm, yeah. all this money and time and like, oh, yeah. that time's the biggest thing pushing it. And it's like, I just want to do something where I feel like I'm contributing more or doing sure, something yeah. with, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. Moral, moral application. Yeah, of Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, that was the larger push into it. Um, and then just, you know, I'm a big, I've been growing up and I'm a big union guy. So I was like, it's a union game. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> the guy from Dropkick did it. Why not? You know? <laughs> yeah. so, Are you a union guy? I'm a union guy. Let's I'd talk about that for a okay. minute. Because like, I, you know, like there's, there's some people hate it. Some people love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been weird moving to Texas. Cause I grew up in a neighborhood where a lot of the people in the neighborhood, you know, oh, this neighbor's an electrician. This one's a pipe fitter. Mm-hmm. This one's a cop. This one's, you know, all very, and you know, up North, much more union-based culture and then moving yeah. down here it was like a huge culture shock i remember mm-hmm. i got my first job here when i moved here was at heb mm-hmm. and i just offhand because i worked at jewels up in chicago and they had it's like the local 1188 i think i could be messing that up but that's their grocery workers union yeah. okay so i just offhand was like oh is there a grocery workers union here and man did i get some stink <laughs> eye from that manager <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah i can imagine it. what word did you just say yeah exactly yeah. i was like oh yeah. it was like yeah. my first day i'm yeah. like i'm sorry yeah i um, said the u word yeah, yeah. <laughs> unions no, I'm for them in that they just like the elevator pitch version of this. It's a democratization of the workplace. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we believe in democracy. Everybody has a say, but then that our work structure is not that way at all. Our work structure is much closer to, I don't know if you want to compare it to like feudalism or something else like that to where there's one person in charge and you have to do what they say, or then you don't get your health care or whatever. I mean, as opposed to 
bringing that element of democracy where this group of people has a voice mm-hmm. yeah. in the boardroom. They make a mean? decision together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just, you know, maybe I have this misconstrued conception of what a union is mm-hmm. based off of all the, uh, you know, uh, movies we've seen in the past. <laughs> I'm not saying that stuff didn't happen. <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying that when something gets too big, yeah. it can get corrupted. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like, like, and the, that's like the, the garbage, you know, collectors and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like you, you get, you know, I'm, we can go talk about the history of the labor movement or whatever else, but yeah. you know, there's that that period where the mafia was in bed with the unions as far as taking out no interest loans. And I was like, yeah. that did happen. I'm not yeah, saying it's it didn't. crazy. Well, that's and not a thing here for you going on. Yeah. yeah oh, you I, can't talk about it. I get it. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> yeah. listen I, gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go. You're filming. I need this. Yeah. I need that SD card. That's the go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like that, like those, th- I'm not denying those things didn't happen, but that's, sure. you know, any organization can have a level of corruption it does not make it right, but you try to avoid it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you could even say the same thing about, I don't know, any larger institution. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to get too conspiracy about other things but like you know what i mean it's like it's still wrong what happened but it's you know anyway yeah what, as long as it works for you at this point right yeah i, I guess <laughs> yeah yeah and but larger point being in principle i'm for unions for that bringing democracy into the workplace as far as making sure that it doesn't get corrupted that there's not crappy stuff going on yeah that's part of the responsibility sure. of yeah, well, running any kind of democracy like yeah I'm very pro-democracy in general, mm-hmm. but I will 100% admit is the most pain-in-the-ass form of government because <laughs> yes. there's so many ins and outs. There's so much balancing of this and that. And, wow, it's not efficient, but I just – any other way of doing it's not really great. Mm. So, yeah. And, what's and the alternatives? Kevin Burke, pro-dictatorship. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> take that sound yeah. clip, chop yeah. it up. <laughs> and you're canceled. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and this, is a, this is an occupation where – they will work you to death mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you don't have that kind of backsplash yeah, as well. Any of the helping and really any of the helping industries in general, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, first responders, healthcare workers, even, even teachers. My, my sister's a, a teacher and, you know, a few teachers in my family and she's big with the teachers union up there. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's the same thing. A lot of times they get same thing with first responders, same thing, whatever you get taken advantage of because it's the type of people that work in that industry want to help and are generally speaking willing to go the extra mile yes mm-hmm. and so whoever's in charge will get that extra mile at, by proxy at, yeah. exactly. everybody will go the extra mile exactly with yeah. no compensation for it Absolutely. yeah which is where it then gets dicey that's but, a tough one mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. that's a tough one so um like how long have you been operating as a firefighter eight eight years now so okay. definitely while the pandemic was going on yeah how was that experience for you? Rowdy? Uh, it was It was weird. <laughs> it. Um, I, I've joked to friends of mine that are not first responders, especially like the, the first thing that comes to mind, obviously like the pandemic early on when we didn't know and they're instituting some policies as far as like, you know, you got to wear these uh, uh, PPE that you'd wear and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And yeah. And rightfully so people pointing out like, well, this doesn't really fully protect and, and, you know, things like that. And we don't basically pointing out the information that we didn't have, which is, which is fair to point out. The thing that I just kept telling everybody is I was like, nobody knows anything. And this is the best we can do. It's not like we yeah. can't go to work. Yeah. Like everybody else gets to stay home. We can't, you can't call 911 and have me like telehealth over the phone or zoom and be like, <laughs> yeah. and I take the water yeah. and I put okay, it on there. So, put it on yeah. the hot stuff. Now do these chest compressions. Now, yeah. Like you can't, yeah, don't can't open do that. that door. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> so we were working through it. Uh, being at rescue, there was like a week where everybody was mad at us because they actually did this thing called force protection where the spec ops team. So us hazmat in the airport, mm-hmm. um, they, they, 
had us not making medical runs because they're like, well, if one of these guys gets sick, the whole team will go out and then we don't have the team for these sure. things. Yeah. And we're like, it's the thing you need to understand about rescue is it's mostly type A guys and, mm-hmm. and really kind of, you know, any, I mean, you guys were military and you did special operations stuff and like it, that generally attracts the kind of guys that want to do stuff. And yeah. so we're there and we're just like, well, we're not, we're bored now because we're not making any runs, not whatever. Sitting around yeah, all day. People that make runs in our still would go by our station laying on the horn and we're just like, <laughs> it's not our fault. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so it's weird to see the interplay of all that. Um, but the the thing that comes to mind when I think pandemic and working through it is definitely the the ice storm that we had here or Snowmageddon. Oh, yeah. All Snowmageddon. That stuff. So I was at the station a lot. <laughs> so I, I grew up in the North, so I knew how to drive through the snow. So sure. I got to work and everybody was shocked that I got to work in my CRV because there's guys with jacked up trucks that, that weren't making it. Um, which I, it was like the one time I got to dunk on them for driving a Honda. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. Like, yeah, eat it. <laughs> All wheel drive, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, working through that, the joke I've made to friends of mine that are not in the industry that I work in, I was like, it's, it's weird to be in a position where you often get like a front row seat to the mm-hmm. world falling apart or to seeing, limits of infrastructure get broken because like it it wasn't just the ice storm which was awful for a lot of reasons but it was like that plus there's a pandemic going on plus and it was like you seeing compounding factors yeah compounding factors seeing the department get stretched to the brink seeing the literal infrastructure get stretched to the brink because we made god it was like five fires in like a 24-hour period oh wow right um granted i was there two or three days in a row and i don't because like the first one was came in at 2 a.m and then we got them off the next day and then the next day. Yeah, I think it was within those two days. It was four fires in one day and one in the other day, um, which is like unheard of. Normally, it's like a big deal if you make two in a shift. Like, oh, that's crazy. That never happened. Yeah, two fires in yeah, a shift. Yeah, yeah, three. Like, I've had that happen when this is when I first got in. Tornadoes went through uh, right by 17's area. I started on mm-hmm. ladder 17. Um, and uh, so we made two that night back to back, which is like, whoa. But we made five. And it was... Heat at the station went out. The generator crapped out. You know, we were throwing our gloves in the oven to warm them back up. We, yeah. you know, normally swap out gear for cancer prevention <clears throat> after a fire, but the quartermaster couldn't get around because they can't drive. So we're in the same gear and it's all soggy. And what is, oh man, seeing all that and then to end that shift on, we're at an apartment fire, we're in there getting it. And then we just see our line just go completely flaccid for lack of a better word um <laughs> ran out of water yeah that's a good word we had to, to pull out that. because yeah. uh um, <laughs> it's great phrasing yeah. yeah um the the water main broke so the hydrant that we oh, were getting shit. off of went dead and so we had to just watch a building burn down and it was like cool oh, i man. guess i'll go home now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah throw snowballs on it yeah, yeah pretty much and so it was Damn. it was a lot working through the pandemic and working through that. And like, yeah. I, I half jokingly say this, but as far as the ice storm, I feel like that still messed me up to some degree because like by that last fire, normally if you've ever been to a fire station, a fire comes in, everybody gets up, runs, oh, runs yeah, the apparatus. Bad. We're excited. We get to, we get to go play all that stuff. Then that last one came in because a lot of the other ones are back to back. We'd leave one. We actually were at one finishing up. And then we heard the tones for another one, mm-hmm. looked out the window and can see the smoke. And we're like, well, let's, let's go. So yeah. we hopped in the HR and went down to that. Um, that's how a lot of them were. But that last one came in and we were actually at the station. It was the first time we had gotten to sort of lay down and we maybe were laying down 20 minutes and the tones dropped and it's 7 a.m. And I get out of my room and the guy who's across from me, which can I cuss on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm working on cussing less because I have a kid now. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but he opens this door and he goes, we had two fucking hours till shift change. Two fucking hours. We got to do this crap again. And it's like the only time I've ever heard. And like everybody felt it. Everybody in the hallway was like, yeah, yeah. like nobody ran to the apparatus. We walked because yeah. it was just like we're beat 
we're running Absolutely. one down and it's that general feeling the more guys you talk to especially in san antonio through the pandemic through the ice storm it just that was the general feeling mm. a feeling worn out and a feeling stretch stretched yeah. way beyond what you're normally going to be doing yeah and yeah it just yeah it's wild it's a test <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is really a test. Is. Um, don't those tests make things a little easier though? They do moving Very forward, good. moving I, forward. I like, I was already, when that happened, I was already at a point where I felt confident on seeing it fires, but now I'm just like, I don't get amped up at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those like, all right, take it as it comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so it definitely, yeah, it's, it's like muscle building. You know, you break stuff down to then build it up yeah. stronger. So see you interest you, um, you mentioned something interesting and I, I just wanted to touch base on this too is. So during the pandemic, you were having equipment maintenance issues quite a bit. Yeah. That was citywide, not just, mm. I'm not looking. And I'm that's because of the to... pandemic and the shortages and all this yes. stuff. Yeah. So like, like, so now you're in a relatively unsafe field mm-hmm. uh, with terrible equipment. Uh, so as far as, uh, yeah, so as the ice storm was really what pointed out the issues with the generators. Yeah. And I know they've worked on getting those fixed but i sure i don't know i assume they did but yeah. it, it's like that's really kind of what pushed it over what the pandemic did more so was it was less equipment maintenance and it was more supplies that really yeah. affected the supply mm-hmm. i mean partly because the supply chain and partly because especially at the beginning everybody's looking for masks oh, and yeah. and face shields and all that stuff and so that was the tricky part too was watching not just our department but everybody scramble to figure out different ways like yeah. we were actually at our station just because it's a bunch of goofy rescue guys who build stuff all the time we were we we did i think it was duke university had come up with a way to like use n95s twice if you run them through a like blast them with a nebulizer that's pumping out 30 percent peroxide like we we oh, yeah. did it just to be like let's try it out you know <laughs> yeah give this a shot yeah you know our our whole and i'm gonna screw up what the latin is for it's not gonna say it but our whole like uh mantra at rescue is you know find a way or make one mm-hmm. um which is you know more famous quote but but that was kind of the gist that we were going with it's like well we don't have masks, we'll find, we'll figure out a way to make, you know, not make our own, but find a way to clean them and reuse them and all that. They eventually went to APRs, which was smart because then everybody has an APR assigned to them and you just swap out the filters, which yeah. is great. Um, but again, it's, yeah, it was seeing the pandemic stretch every industry and then including ours thin as far as supplies go. Mm-hmm. And then you're still having to make it work. Um, and then the ice storm was just, I feel like our equipment frontline, like everything took a beating. Like our, in our frontline engine that I'm on got, you know, I, I don't know what the numbers were, but so many fire apparatus got, were in car wrecks because of the ice storm. Our engine was just on scene, yeah, blocking was, a car wreck, and then somebody couldn't stop and just smashed into the back of it. I was going to ask how, how the, the trucks and the engines do in like snow and ice conditions, especially not, down here. Not, <laughs> yeah. not great. Uh, yeah. Not super great. Even yeah. up north, they have issues with that, but we don't have you know tire chains down yeah. here, but they can have that benefit up north. The thing, the big benefit up north which like, which was the first time I experienced a snowstorm in Texas. It blew me away how everything shut down. I was like, well, what about the plows? They're like, there aren't any plows. Like, yeah. What? We don't have any. Yeah. Yeah, we're not prepared in yeah. any capacity yeah. for, and, and like the amount of people that don't even know how to shut off their water at home. That's baffling. It's baffling. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> yeah. like, you know, um, and, and you forget about it. A lot of people forget yeah. about it too. Is like, you know, to, you know, trickle the fountain. Yeah. And, 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 you know, our snowstorm here made national news. It was mm-hmm. devastating, right? Yeah. And that's like an average day in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. It was funny because I was all joking around because I know how to dress for the cold. And I, I really yeah. sincerely enjoy the cold. And so I was just joking the whole time. I'm like, this weather makes me stronger. <laughs> yeah. um, Return but, to my roots. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it's, it's 
I mean, it got cold for sure. You know, mm. some of the negatives, you have icicles coming off your helmet, which yeah. doesn't happen here. Um, but yeah, like you said, it just, people here aren't used to it. Um, I put a little, I, on my Instagram, I put this video out that just basically was telling everybody to stop dunking on people from the South. It's like, you have to understand it's not just people being unfamiliar with how to deal with the cold. It's the whole infrastructure that didn't know how to deal with the cold. Yeah, which well, yeah. screwed over the individuals. Like yeah. you can't blame it on somebody who yeah, doesn't all know. the power goes out yeah, yeah it's like what am i yeah because like the power went out for a week for people what, what was it the 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 governor was saying it goes oh you know be sure to boil your water it's like the hell am i gonna boil my water with i don't have gas or i don't have electricity <laughs> yeah, and my electric stove water. you bitch yeah, yeah exactly exactly because yeah the, <laughs> exactly. the power grid went down <laughs> oh, yeah yeah the power what fucking idiot yeah. yeah yeah which is what then, then led people, to that many fires people, mm-hmm. you know and, and that's education as well as like people are running generators uh within closed doors as well yeah, so, garage yeah so i can imagine Imagine. Yeah. Did you get the, any calls for that? No. The like I said, we were. If if you want to say lucked out, I don't know. We we were making a lot of fires, um, and largely because we have a lot of apartment complexes in our area. Part of the thing with rescue too is we go to any second alarm fire. So if it's an apartment complex, we're going to be there. Sure. Um, and what was happening is, I guess you know, a lot of these apartments have those crappy little fireplaces that are usually just gas run mm-hmm. um or some of them you know look like you can put logs in them people were burning logs in them because they don't have heat and so <laughs> oh. they're trying to trying to go but like they oh, don't no. know any better yeah. or it's an apartment complex where no that's a legit fireplace but what they didn't know is this place was built on the cheap and they never cleaned the chimneys Ever. or it's not the proper tube for the chimney so what would happen is it would just heat that metal and then start fires in the roof like a lot of the apartment fires were all attic fires because it would start in a fireplace because yeah. somebody was trying to stay warm. I'm not going to bl- knock them for it. They don't know. Yeah. And they would run to the attic and then run the, like burn down the whole top floor, you know? Damn. And that was like, wow. Three of the five were that basically. Wow. That, I mean, it's perspective. A lot of people yeah. like even me, I'm not thinking of that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just trying to keep my family warm. You yeah. Know? Yeah, Especially exactly. Three, start burning the furniture. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm just glad. And my, my, my partner, my wife, she's, amazing um yeah and both of us are really big into camping and outdoor stuff so like we already and like me having been from the north i was like all right so here's what we'll do you know we'll cover this we'll make sure this drips um and i kind of had an idea just because i'm kind of a news junkie news and political junkie type and so i was like kind of keeping tabs i'm like i feel like this isn't gonna go well <laughs> i was like based on the last time we had a nice storm and things went kind of crappy yeah and then they didn't do anything to prepare for the next one and it was worse i was like make sure you know fill the bathtub with some snow and you know we like so i was at work and kind of stuck at work because some guys couldn't make it so i was like i'll pick up the shift you know sure don't have them drive in um and and like i said my wife's a badass and so she had all the we had all the stuff set up just between our camping knowledge we had a little portable stove that she was melting snow in mm-hmm. and then out, out in the back porch then get water then flush it and like all that kind of stuff so we were good on that, but like not everybody knows that stuff, and I don't. I don't blame them for not knowing it. There's so much to know. <laughs> I don't yeah, blame me for not knowing shit that you might have to use once in your life. You it's know? it's dependability too. I mean, uh, you know, at least have mm-hmm. a couple weeks of water, yeah, and a couple weeks of food in your home. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that is a lesson that I think was instilled for in a sure. lot of people. And we were already kind of doing that. We always have a lot of you know dry goods and canned goods just because mm-hmm. we, we like cooking so we have raw materials for cooking yeah, so i think to speak. i could survive about three months on just beans <laughs> so too we have a lot of dried beans a lot beans of canned and beans and rice yeah. good to go yeah lentils baby tell you what yeah. <laughs> eating yeah. good in that yeah. emergency situation yes sir yeah. yes sir but yeah no yeah we were she was pretty well well set up and so i wasn't that was one thing that one mm. less thing i didn't have to worry about yeah. while working through that but but yeah it's like I said, I'm not going to be the one that's going to rag on people like you should all be preppers. But no, it's like it's who yeah. I can't blame somebody for 
like, I don't know their life. They're maybe working two, three jobs, don't have time to even think about the extra thing. I've yeah. been in that position yeah. where like... And and two, like, to be fair, it's a fucking chimney. Like, yeah. it, it is yeah. a fireplace. I would think, yeah. hey, I, would I, think... I should be able to burn in this, right? Fire gets hot. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> it's not meant to have a fire in it for that long. Okay, yeah. so if it's a gas... You know, for our audience out there, if it's a gas, don't put logs in there. Yeah, don't. Especially newer apartment complexes, man. They're built so... It's it's that major profit motive. They're just trying mm. to build this thing quick and yeah. cheap and then fill it with people. And so I wouldn't... You know, even with the gas on there, you're not supposed to leave that the gas thing running forever. Because, again, it's it's generally pretty thin metal tubing that's in there. You yeah. Know, it's the stuff you can Heating bend with up. your hands for for, you know... For reference, as opposed to like the house I grew up in had a chimney, but it was brick, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's designed it, yeah. for staying on year round. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's nuts. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk a little bit more about, um, like your day to day, um, sure. you know, other, other than throw in <laughs> the wrench in and, and compounding factors of pandemics and ice storms and all yes, this crap, yes. but like, so you're on the rescue side of things. Yes. Yes. And what does that average day look like for you? So for us, depending if we're training a new guy, which that's a whole separate thing, but generally speaking, it's, you know, we, the way San Antonio rescue functions, we have two rescue stations in the whole city. Um, Mm -hmm. It's an engine, a ladder, and then an HR or heavy rescue or heavy or squad, whatever you want to call it. Um, (laughs) The nomenclature is (laughs) insane. It's like, oh, it's like, or an engine or a pumper or a motor or a, anyway. Um, (laughs) So we have all those and it's fully staffed engine, fully staffed. Uh, uh, ladder, and then um, you have your your uh, heavy rescue, which has an engineer assigned to it. But then we kind of there'll be an engineer, and then somebody else riding the seat. And essentially, if a rescue run comes in, that rolls out with the whole station goes right. Mm-hmm. And so there's two rescue stations in the city. And our kind of day to day is really just we have 13 disciplines that we're expected to be subject matter experts on, on top of firefighting and uh, EMS. Okay. And so we're just training a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so generally, the way that in each station, each crew kind of does it different, but the way the rhythm that we've kind of fallen into is, you know, in, in the morning, we have our morning meeting. Um, and then we, you know, you, you check your truck, you get there, you check your trucks out, you get your, your bunk set up, you get all that going, you relieve the other guy. Um, and then we have our morning meeting and then we generally do some kind of training to like the afternoon. And then mm-hmm. after that, it's kind of, everybody takes care of what they need to take care of. The officers do their officer admin stuff and the firefighters will just generally work out, hang out, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and then make, make runs as they come in. Okay. Um, we're training a new guy and this is the process we all have to go through. So what's kind of unique about San Antonio rescue as opposed to like Austin's rescue um, San Antonio's, it's a resume position. So you actually have to apply for the spot and actually have to be selected for it. Okay. And so if you do, all of our training is in house. A lot of other places will send you up, go to these classes. Good. You're certified. Mm-hmm. Come on in. Uh, San Antonio does it. You get in and it's about a six month process, give or take where you're showing up at 9am at shift change and you are training for at least 12 hours every shift, just so you can learn all the different disciplines okay. at the proficiency level that we expect, which is, you know, you need to be able to work under stress. You need to be able to do this, you know, the old adage of do it so many times until you can't get it wrong kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, because especially with rope, I don't know how much y'all know about rope rescue, but we hit hard on that. Not only because it ties into everything pun intended, only hey, cowards hey. don't intend their puns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because it, because it ties into everything, um, it not just that, but rope is one of those that there's such a small window for error because yeah. you're a hundred feet up, and yep. if you miss one step, tie this knot wrong, you, you know, yeah, everyone's dead. Every you're you, everyone's dead. you're screwed, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's but it's not the fall that kills you; it's stopping at the bottom. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, so we really we we hammer on that. And like I said, like I remember my first few shifts there. 
when I was going through the certification process, I got there, you know, get there early. I always do. I get there eight 30. I'm checking the truck. I'll get all that. And then we're training until like midnight, 1am, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. just to cram it all in there. And part of it too is some mild stress inoculation as far as like, you know, make sure you can do it when you're tired, make sure you can do it yeah. when you're this and that. And we're smart about it. We're not, you know, cause we are keeping in mind like, Hey, if we catch a run, this guy can't be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Functional still. It needs to be yeah. functional yeah. to catch a fire because firefighting's exhausting. You put on a hundred pound winter coat and go into a burning building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> breathe uh, through a straw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then breathe through a little, little, little hose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, that's kind of how it goes. And when we're training a new guy, it's, it's just, all the focus is on that guy and you run him through all the disciplines you do majority of that six months is spent on rope, spent on rope. And then we get everything else in there, you know, vehicle extrication, urban search and rescue, breaching and breaking, shoring, uh, swift water rescue, boat ops, mm, yeah, cave boat rescue, boat wilderness boat rescue, yeah. all the, I just saw this one on North American rescue earlier, uh, today where, um, this, uh, like speed boater mm-hmm. flipped mm-hmm. and he like in the internal camera, he's got his like, apparatus on you know to breathe in the water and they just dive right in and mm-hmm. into the water and, and yep. scoop them out and i'm like that is that's wicked man we get to yeah. do some pretty badass stuff it's pretty fun. <laughs> we we were training uh this is two shifts ago we were training or i was i'm sorry i was working at rat so i was on a different shift i'm actually going to get to do this on what's today saturday um a construction crane so it's 180 feet tall we're doing mm-hmm. training off of that and you know like hey let's say this operator goes down we're who would get called to then lower him to the ground. Yeah. How do you get this guy out? Exactly. And so we were training on that. And, um, because it wasn't my shift, I was the patient. So I get all strapped into the stokes and they're lowering me down. And the guy lowering me down, he's, you know, a little bit newer to rescue, but we were both just kind of joking. He's just like, man, this is a badass job. Like, I can't believe we get paid (laughs) to like know how to do this stuff. And then on the rare instances where it does, which I've had the privilege of being part of two, two actual rope rescues. It's, it's Mm -hmm. cool. It's, I don't know. It's like I said, it's a privilege and honor to get to do that stuff, to Mm -hmm. to get to do the, not just stuff that looks cool, but to just be in that space, you know? Yeah. And to to be that, that person who makes such a pivotal change in someone's life or near the end of the end of it too. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's, I don't know, it's wild. I think that's partly why within the team we are so hard on each other and self-deprecating just so nobody gets a big head about that. (laughs) Yeah. Because if, as soon as you started saying that, I'm just like, uh, yeah, but we're just regular dudes who screw around a lot. (laughs) Yeah. That's everywhere. Yeah. That is everywhere. Um, you know, we've said countless times on this show, uh, You'd be surprised mm-hmm. if you got a behind-the-scenes look <laughs> at half the dudes that are doing the jobs. That I mean, I mean, this goes with doctors. Yeah. Like, you know, oh yeah. Like every time those guys are like, oh, "I'm gonna go back and check the computer real quick," blah blah. blah. They're like going through a fucking thesaurus yeah. about like Google <laughs> and like and like a medical handbook on like mm-hmm. oh, maybe we'll try this prescription medication. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I, same with the military. You know, special operations community. You you just smoking and joking the entire time yeah. i'm glad you said that because there's there's a guy on the team with me on my crew and we were having conversations because he's he has the right mentality and it's you know always improving we want to you know we want to be the best of the best and just like man i just i feel like we're not so technical rescue we're just you know we we screw around a lot and blah blah i was like yeah but we we do know what we're doing we're yeah. just a bunch yeah. of goofballs he goes and he said he goes i wonder what it's like for like the rangers the seals or what like and pick any same you know, exact anything. thing and I, I kept telling him like i'm like i don't know for sure i wasn't there but based on the guys i've met it it's like this like yeah. nobody there feels special and everybody feels like a goofball but it's all people that know what they're doing yeah, yeah. you like there there's this one time i was we were in afghanistan jalalabad mm-hmm. and um i'm not gonna say any names or anything but a couple uh, uh the the spec force put uh fire extinguishers in the air conditioner lines and 
Uh, we zip tied a bunch of privates and they yeah. blasted the whole air system with mm-hmm. a fire extinguisher and they started like dying in there, like choking to death. And we had to like go in and rescue these guys. And then, you know, later that night we're going after like a facilitator of sorts. And it's just yeah. like, <laughs> it's just that, like, that doesn't sound familiar at all. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, it's and it's the just, exact same and thing. And it's just like the, the, the shit that you do yeah. behind the scenes but it's a coping mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. It really is. I the thing, and I we were goofing around the other night, um, kind of doing some, you know. There's, there's whatever. I won't get into it. Um, but I just kind of offhand, it's a running joke that I'll make if we're ever, you know, goofing around. Where I'm like, man, I can't believe, you know, I'm getting paid, you know, X amount of money an hour to do this. But at the same time, it's like that preps you for doing what you have to do because our yeah. job isn't just. You know, we're not like kicking ass, taking names all the time. It's our job is to be ready to do that stuff. Yes. And we are, which is why we spend so much time training and which is why we piss off some of the reg ops companies around us because, you know, it's like, Oh, why are they out of service again? It's like, cause we're training reg ops. Yeah. Sorry. Legs. <laughs> no, I, I didn't yeah, put too much, exactly too much stink it. on it. Legs. Reg ops. I love, I'm going to say that. Oh, you were doing reg ops, huh? Yeah. What a nerd. <laughs> Prior to being on rescue, yeah. we were joking. Cause that's, there's the whole like bravado of the rescue thing, which I make fun of. And most of the guys have like, especially these days, because rescue didn't have way, way back in the day, a great reputation. They were, you know, there's a running joke that they were undisciplined cowboys because some <laughs> chief called them that. And then they all made shirts that said undisciplined cowboys. Yeah. Um, and we've really done a lot of bridge building and we make fun of ourselves so much as far as the whole like, oh, yeah, just nothing but heroes here, brother. You know, <laughs> yeah, like every, every day at shift change, it's always, what's up, brother? Yeah. You know, so. That's what I love about uh, firefighters. Very similar to yeah. the military. Yeah, very, very similar. Uh, and the hazing thing. That's yeah. Just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are, are you familiar with the, that Anthony Bourdain quote about firefighters and, uh, and Marines? Uh, let's hear it. Uh, I don't remember it offhand. I got here. Jamie, I, can you? Oh, we I, don't I have can, a Jamie. I can pull it up on my phone real quick, <laughs> actually. Um, so he he basically just talks about all the different because I don't know how if y'all have worked in the food industry or not, but really rowdy crowd in there, oh, and it's you know, a mean, lot of veterans, a lot of whatever. And you know, I work with a chef. Yeah, so. oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> um, so he says, firefighters in my experience are a lot like the Marines I've met over the years. No matter how badly led, ridiculously under-equipped, underappreciated, no matter how doomed their mission, they take bizarre and quite beautiful pride, and at least being screwed more than everybody else and doing it with style. So, <laughs> and I was like, that's yeah. 100%. That is. 100%. That's it. It's true. It's yeah. true. It. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it's it reminds me, too, of the old adage, how many firefighters take to change a light bulb? The answer is four. One to change it, one to say how he'd do it better, one to complain about it, and one guy to sleep through it. So it's, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tax dollars hard at work yeah, there, yeah. buddy. You know, we're, we're prepared. <laughs> you know, now now I know next time I'll call 911 when I yeah. need a night light bulb mm-hmm. yeah. change. Yeah. <laughs> People have called for less. So. I can imagine. Um, and that, that was my next question is, like, let's talk about some of the wacky calls that you guys get in. It really, it runs the gamut. And it's because people will, this kind of touches on the mental health aspect, which I'm a big geek for talking about. It's why I'm going back to school for mm-hmm. it. But like, it really runs the gamut. And people will ask, like, what's the craziest call? But what they really mean is, like, what's the most fucked up thing you've seen? And yeah. I'm always like, don't ask people that. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like, how many people have you killed? Yeah. That's exactly what <laughs> I was going to say. Like, I hate when, like, I have veteran friends of mine that are like, I fucking hate when people ask me that question. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Why do you want to think about that? I say, I always say, enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
or just look it's, at him and go, I can make it one more. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Itching for my next. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's baby. It's, it's so like, as far as like weirdest, goofiest, it, there's like so many categories. It's like, there's a lot of them with a lot of poop. There's a lot of poop in my job that I deal with. Mm. Um, so there's that wacky end of it, ah, quote unquote. Interesting. Um, Cause we do make the thing that people forget is most firefighters love poop. We love poop. (laughs) We just love it. No, we make, you know, we make medical runs, right? Finish each other's sandwiches. sandwiches. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Poop sandwiches. No. Uh, So we, you know, we make medical runs. Yeah. And, and so we deal with a lot of the stuff you see on EMS, you know, so, any bodily fluid, and we've probably dealt with it in yeah, some way. Yeah, but yeah. as far as like, a lot of go- people don't know that when yeah. people pass out or die, when you die, things happen. You poop. They just expel. Yeah. But yeah, themselves. it really, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a purging of the system. Yeah, it's not a not a fun thing to deal with either. Yeah, like, no, it's really not, and it just. Anyway, anyway, yeah. so you get and you get know, familiar with different types. Of I don't poop. want to get into yeah. too much details, but it doesn't come out in, in a nice log that you. Think. <laughs> no, no, you're just like help clean patient off, blah 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 blah. Yeah. And in reality, it's just like yeah, you're in the shower screaming afterwards, yeah. like, unclean, <laughs> I am um, unclean. But but yeah, I mean like goofy stuff. Like you know, people will call for where we'll get there, and like not in a disrespectful way, be like, I don't. What like what what did you need? And like sometimes it's. Sometimes it's it's you get like the the funny one that comes to mind that I told my wife about. We got a call for it came in as an animal bite, but it had no notes, and we're like, "Well, crap, that can be serious." You know, yeah, dog bites, whatever. If everybody's probably dealt with one or another that gets pretty bad. Um, we get and it's like three a.m. and what didn't help is and it's you know garden style apartment complex. The buildings aren't numbered very well, mm-hmm. and the numbering system doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and we it, we end up going up like two separate you know four flights of stairs. Yeah. It, it, oh, this isn't the right one. Oh, this is the right. And then we go to the, finally get up there. Today, and the person answers the door. We're like, "Hey, so what's what's going on? How can we help out?" And they're like, "Oh, so a, a spider bit me." We're like, "Okay, um, what kind of spider? I, I don't know. It ran off." Okay, well, can we see the bite? And we look, and there's a little red dot. You know, it's like, "Well, when did this happen?" And uh, or how long ago? Because you know, timeline. Oh, if it's brown recluse, if it's black widow, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's some serious stuff down here. Um, like, oh, it happened about you know eight o'clock. We're like, it p.m. They're like, no, this morning. We're like. And you called now. And they're like, yeah. And we're like, so do you think I'm going to be all right? We're like, yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> oh, like, man. cool. And they, they, they were oh. just like, cool, thanks. And we're like, all right. <laughs> See you later. You're just, welcome. So, so <laughs> let, let's talk about that real quick. How, how much is the average false alarm? Uh, it, some of that's kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because some guys will call it like, oh, there's like a BS run or whatever, whatever. It's like all all runs, that, at least for my, and you could call me an optimist or whatever, but like everybody, they're calling need help, right? And so we'll show up and help them out regardless. Like even we've made a call where a, you know, 80-year-old dude fell off a little step stool, mm-hmm. you know, had a skin tear, didn't end up going to the hospital. He was he was all right. You know, we patched him up. Not very serious, right? Yeah. You could see that as but being still, like, oh. like, I get that. But still I get that. It's like, hey, like I just took a big fall. Like I exactly. need to call. Exactly. Especially mm-hmm. the older population. But a spider all that. bite, uh, you know, 15 hours later. Yeah, like I would call that a BS call. Yes, yes. L- l- you, you, l- could, you could get off and your high horse for a minute, <laughs> and let's <laughs> let's try to be on a high horse. <laughs> what, what I was going to say about that, that older guy though is we end up like we're used to doing extra stuff because he was mm. trimming his tree. We ended up finishing trimming his tree for him. Yeah, or like people yeah. are having you know we deal with watery backs where 
in an apartment complex, a water line bursts and we go get the water out for him before the contractor gets there. But we end up doing it like we're used to doing extra stuff. Like we yeah. have a lot of guys that have a side job as AC. So they end up fixing people's AC while we're there, HVAC systems. Wow. And like, and stuff like, and that's not what they called for, but that's we'll do what, that. I, you know what? I had an um, issue with mine the yeah. other day. I should have called call the 911, baby. 911. Come on out. Send a million dollar apparatus to your house. What's wrong? It's warm in here. It's getting mighty toasty. We have, what I will say is in the winter, the biggest, we'll, we'll call it a BS run, the biggest BS run that we get, especially if you're on an engine, it comes in as like smoke investigation or odor. Mm. Um, and they send an engine because if it is fire, hey, we got water there at least. Yeah. And it's without fail, it's at the beginning of winter, right when all these buildings heat systems <laughs> yeah. kick on, which they don't kick on often. So they build up dust on the burners. Yeah, it smells and so like it, it smells a little oh. bit like burning. And we go to those all the time. Oh, and it's man. just like, this happened last year, guys. <laughs> like, yeah. No yeah. Did, your system oh, did you oh. check for smoke? Did you look around? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. I, and we have had it like every once in a while it is legit. It's, it's less than 1% by the numbers of like fire alarms that come in. It's, it's less than 1% of them are legit. That's fire alarm systems going off. Not like okay. it comes in as a fire. So like fire alarm system going off or somebody smells something. So you get tons of these. Yes. Especially on an engine, you make a lot of those runs. Do you have like a crazy Karen that calls you every Tuesday? We have uh, what we'll, in the industry, people refer to as like frequent flyers. And a lot of times mm. they have certain certain health issues or whatever, or they just, you know, you could look at it as them abusing the system. What's cool. You should practice about... that as a rope in every time. Just What's rope that? in on their fucking roof. <laughs> and, and just like, hey, are we fix your HVAC yeah. system. Yeah. Come in. It's, what seems to be the problem? Oh, you fell off the toilet again? Let me help you. Yeah. you know. Are you um, married? Yeah, exactly. You're not married you after that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we'll get, you know, your frequent flyers. What's cool with San Antonio, uh, and not just to like, you know, humble brag or whatever, I'm on a department, but they, it's actually very pro- our EMS side. And generally speaking, it's a really progressive department. We have something called MIH, um, mm-hmm. which is Mobile Intensive Health. I forget that what the abbreviation stands for, but essentially it's like home health. It's to low, it's to reduce the number of people that are calling 911 as their primary source of healthcare. Okay. Because the tricky thing is, especially in uh, more, you know, like poorer neighborhoods and stuff, you have people that don't have health insurance, Yeah, but you can call 911, get a medic to check you out and then not have to pay that bill back because it's a city thing. You, you get a bill, but there's some kind of loophole around it or whatever that people can, whether you want to call it exploit or using because it's the only option they have, yeah. whatever, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, that happens a lot. And so to reduce that, they have this MIH program where it's it's like home health visits. Like, hey, instead of you calling, you know, engine 51 every day to come help you with get back into bed from your wheelchair or something mm-hmm. like that, um, we have MIH come out and make sure you're taking your, or, or or a person who calls all the time for diabetic issues. Hey, we're going to have somebody come and mm-hmm. educate you on your on how to take your medication because there's a lot of times it's a gap in education over their own sure. health care, mm-hmm. which is insane. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how are you taking nuts. your inhaler? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Blowing they just it kind of their s- neck, yeah, through, like yeah. cologne. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's it, it, and that's that's such an interesting topic too that we could talk about. Like, common sense to you is not common sense to another person. No, and that's one of the I forgot. I listened to a lot of podcasts. One of them that I heard, they were talking about the idea. It might have been Hidden Brain. I dig that show if you haven't checked it out. Um, oh, I'll have to check that one out. But they, it's it's all psychology, neurology, all that all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think it was there. It might be somewhere else. But they talked about the the myth of common sense, about how like mm. everybody's common sense is different, that there is like no such thing as common sense because it, it varies 
so it, greatly culturally, culturally yeah, all of those absolutely. any factor you can think of is mm-hmm. different you know what i mean yeah like, yeah and that that that's a huge mm-hmm. huge point right in there it's perspective like everything else yeah and speaking of high horses that's when i get when people are like oh it's common sense i'm just like for you maybe you know like <laughs> so, you know there is some <laughs> there, there are some examples. things like yes. for instance like <laughs> if i'm about to walk across this highway Yes. And there's cars coming. Yes. Don't get hit. Exactly. That's I think that's common sense. I'd say that's common enough. Yeah. yeah. But you know, there's some <laughs> survival people that are instinct. Like, they're like, my human body could do what I want because yeah. everybody should stop for the pedestrian. They'll yeah. stop for me. Yeah. Exactly. It's like this is a highway. You're not an eight bit frog. You shouldn't be crossing this thing, man. <laughs> yeah, eight bit frog. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta Frogger. throw the frogger yeah. reference. Frogger in there. reference. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I mean, be careful. We're going to show our age here. Yeah, you know? it's all right. It's all right. I'm I'm okay with that. I when I'm about to turn 36, and apparently that's technically middle aged. I'm just like, whatever. I, uh, <laughs> nah, dude. No. 36 is like the new 20. That's uh, what yeah. I keep saying. Yeah, and that's <laughs> to that's, myself in the mirror. But every you're also in, you're in a career field where it's going to keep you young. Definitely. Yes. Yes, and no. What I what I will say that's. I will say yes as far as mentally, act, mm-hmm. physically active, oh, mentally active. We're not active, talking all that about stuff. the broke dick bodies here. <laughs> no, yes, that's what I was. <laughs> I have one leg, my back's broken, my neck is like uh, at exactly. an automatic kink here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, but I'm still young. Exactly. <laughs> Military exactly. was great for me. Yeah, <laughs> best thing that ever happened. It's, it cracks me up. Like, I'm all for, especially right when you get in the fire service, man. You mm. want to be at the busy houses. You want to oh, yeah. be where stuff's happening. Yeah. But like. I, I totally understand, and I will not knock on the guys that later in their career that are just like, screw that. I'm going, I don't want to, I don't, I, I have, it is only pride that would keep me at a place that keeps me up for 24, 48 hours at a time. Yeah. You yeah. talk to the guys that have done that, and it's like, bro, you're, you're looking pretty rough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's I like you've 35 had, years. Yeah. You've fire had, service. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, God, yeah. how yeah. your bones feel? And how many knee replacements and how many yeah, back yeah. surgeries? And especially at, at rescue, too, it's again that mentality of like very type A, very mm-hmm. like, hell yeah, I'll do it regardless and blah, blah, blah. And I get caught up in that, too. But like, yeah. I look around at a lot of the guys I work with, man, and it's, yeah, how many collectively, how many back surgeries and, and yeah. joint replacements and, sleep apnea because all of our sleep's always messed up because yeah. we don't sleep right um and then and then getting into the mental health aspect too what we're seeing more and more of that where it's just like yeah like we got to really take care of ourselves That's yeah a big like there's one for, there's, for yeah. alphas you know yeah like, the guys that are it's 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 a whole back to redefining masculinity right there's the book you should check out i've been trying to get any dude i talked to to read it uh called for the love of men mm-hmm. it's really great i got Another guy at work to read it, and he's just like, shit, I can't go back. That really made me realize a lot of stuff about myself. I'm like, I know, it's kind of messed up. Uh, um, and and reading through that, it kind of talks about, too, how, you know, by the numbers, men die earlier than women, generally yeah. speaking. But when you actually start breaking the data apart, it's largely because of this weird pride that we have of not wanting to get help, of doing stuff that we know is going to hurt I us. I do it on my own. Exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. like it's like we were more likely to use drugs, more likely to drink more, more likely to smoke, more likely to do dangerous activities. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's why. And it's yeah. because it and it comes down to that psychological thing of like, oh well I'm tough. I want to be a man. I want to keep my yeah. man card. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, like chill out. That's <laughs> like you can't keep your man yeah. card if you're dead. Yeah. That's <laughs> exactly. not it. And I, I think that that's a huge thing with alphas is um like being able to realize that you're not able to successfully push through the mission. Yeah. Like, like for me, I had a chance to go back and do the same job I was doing after I was injured, after I Mm -hmm. lost my leg. Yeah. And I really had to sit down and say, let's, let's put the pride aside. Yeah. And like, am I going to do 
this be able to operate in this position without being a detriment to me, my other men. Yeah. And and as an alpha, it is really hard mm. to be like, yeah, dude, you you're not ready for it right now. Yeah, you hit to the pride, yeah. And it's it's really getting out of that and this is where I get my philosophical leanings come out. It it's really getting out of that individual kind of focused of like because mm. pride's very selfish in a way it can be good for some things but again it, it's very like how i feel about not being able to do this right mm-hmm. um and getting out of that mindset and really looking at the more like communal stance or looking at the team-based aspect and being like now this is a the whole world really when you look at everything we do is a team sport we're all in this together and if i'm going to put myself in a position where that's detrimental to more people like that's not it's not going to work yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? and it's it's the same thing we've had that that the same thing happens in the fire service guys that stay in really long and and on the risk of getting themselves hurt or somebody else hurt yeah, and, exactly. and being exhausted and yeah. worn out, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, and, and it's easy to do with that leadership, like you said, yeah. of pushing the extra mile. I, I remember doing these, you know, overseas doing these follow on missions where you're doing two, three, four operations mm-hmm. with eight clicks in between them. Yeah. Woof. And, <laughs> and I, I remember at one point we're on our third, third follow on objective here. And I mean, all military bearing goes out the window. Mm-hmm. People are dropping helmets, like passing out on the side of the walls. And I'm like, I'm like, at this point, this is this is detrimental. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're yeah. a clusterfuck right now. One in indirect fire is gonna take out every single individual here mm-hmm. because we're tired. Yeah. And guess what happened that night? Nothing. Nothing. And you're nothing lucky good. nothing happened. Nothing good. Yeah. yeah. But if we had gotten to a skirmish on three or four objectives later. No way. Yeah. Uh, we would have yeah. we would have been in trouble. Yes. And this is yes. you know, and this go, this is a huge political conversation too. Mm-hmm. Is like at, at what point are we are we putting our men um, through danger to get that that uh, certificate or that uh, yeah. award here yeah. too? Mm-hmm. But that's that's a whole different topic. But yeah, going that extra mile mm-hmm. um, becomes a detriment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it and like I said, I, I feel like it just it comes down to pride. Which like having pride in your work and in what you do. Uh, there's a popular book in the fire service called pride and ownership great book and it's about just like hey you know this is your job mm-hmm. take ownership it take take pride in the credit in, in, in the trade yes great but like when that pride like the whole man card idea like is is something i've been thinking about a lot especially checking out Lately, this book is it's a huge topic of discussion it, in, the, yeah. in the mental sh- health world it should be because like think about the man card right you do it and when you really reflect on this it's one of those things that can be so easily revoked right I show up wearing a patterned shirt that's brightly colored or something like that, which I have, you know, because <laughs> my yeah. buddy owns a company that makes these awesome shirts and I want to support my buddy and I like bright colors. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know, that somebody could be like, oh, I'm going to take your man card away for that. But it's like you can do yeah. all these other things and it, it seems like it's one of those things that is never truly attainable because you're always having to put so much work into mm-hmm. doing it. But like when you take a step back, it's like at what cost? You know, exactly. At what cost to... Yourself. My own physical health, my mental health, and then my family and yeah. friends around me. Because yeah. that's one of the things that happens with, and I'm sure this happens with, again, I can't speak firsthand, but I'm sure this happens with veterans. First responders, it is a, can be an extremely isolating job yes. in that, you know, we have that mentality, which is true to a degree, that if you're not in it, you don't fully get it. But then what happens is because of our weird schedule, because we tend to see the worst in humanity all the time on these runs or the silliest of humanity, if they're calling for a spider fight, <laughs> um, we tend to see that. And our only interaction then is with other firefighters. So then it becomes this dichotomy of like, well, these guys get it. I'm going to hang out with these guys. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in the world's nuts. And so your friend group gets smaller to where you're only insular with other first responders. Yep. And then yeah, on top of isolating. that, you're isolated. You're not talking about your stuff. You go home and then that then affects your family because you're then isolating yourself from your your family. And that's, yeah. mm-hmm. 
I mean, the divorce rate is insanely high in the fire service, which yeah. is, and same, same with, same with police, same with veterans, same, same with all that. You know, yeah. it's, it's those high intensity positions mm-hmm. too. Um, you know, I, I like to attribute it to the fact is like these types of occupations are very present moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to be a 100% solely focused on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes while you're doing that, especially when you're overseas or, mm-hmm. you know, at the week at the fire station or whatever, you're there. Mm-hmm. Everything else doesn't exist outside yeah. of what you're currently doing. Yeah. So you're living a separate life and you're not building those relationships up yeah. anymore. You're not focused on those anymore. And like two, three weeks, four months, whatever, whatever stent of your deployment looks mm-hmm. like, um, you come back as a different person each and every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which is weird when it gets into the fire service as well. So I, it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. The fact that I don't live in San Antonio, I live out in Buda. So it takes me about an hour to get, get in. And that's fairly common just because our schedule lends itself to that. You know, you're on, on yeah. and off too. So you can live far out of town, you know, and ends up dividing out to a normal commute schedule. Um, but the benefit of that is that, you know, because I'm not living in that community, I'm not having to avoid this intersection if I saw something bad here. You know, you hear stories yeah. about, hey, I made a bad run here. I don't want to drive by that bridge, whatever. That's a fairly common thing that you hear from guys that live in town. Mm-hmm. Um, the So that's a benefit. The downside, though, is it does make it feel like such a separate world that I am living in. And and it's literally because I'm living at the station. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I have, I'm, we eat all our meals together. We sleep in a bunk, like all that. It's, you know. That's yeah, a separate life over yeah, there. Yeah, 100%. And it, it definitely adds to that isolating factor of mm-hmm. like, man, you can only really talk about it with other guys. But then the stigma around, especially if you're talking about something mental, mental health related, the stigma around mental health guys don't want to talk about that. It's mm-hmm. starting to change, but man, is there resistance. A lot it's, of resistance. It's, it's like yeah. that, uh, again, more, more firefighter platitudes <laughs> for you. It was, uh, God, what was it? It's uh, 400 years of tradition unimpeded by progress. There's a <laughs> saying that I've heard. There's a sign. It, it's, yeah. it's signs that have said that before. And it's like, it, it, it's true. Guys don't, like getting change to happen, even if it's for the benefit of the guys, it's it's like pulling teeth sometimes, you know. It is, but I think there's a lot of understanding that you mm-hmm. what, what you're risking when you bring it up, when you bring these topics up, yeah. because we've seen what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, I raise my hand. Hey, I, I'm dealing with these mental health issues. Okay, well, you're off the line now. Now yeah. you just what did you do? Like you're 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 setting yourself up for failure. Like mm-hmm. you know, the so risk associated with discussing it, which is why guys are high. so. Someone I'm on the peer support team at work, which okay. is, you know, basically my name, my name and numbers on a list of, Hey, if a guy's dealing with something, doesn't want to talk to a therapist, wants to talk to another firefighter, call yeah. me up, you know, and that's worked pretty well because there is this, mm. you know, in any institution you're in, there's somewhat of a distrust of the powers that be of admin or whatever. Yeah. And so it's a give and take of good faith being shown from the folks in charge to like, Hey, if you come to this, it's not going to affect your work. And then on the other side of it's tricky. It's yeah. tricky. There's a lot of fine line barriers to that. You know yeah. what I mean? And then, and that's that's if you're in a department that has easy access to mental health care, like bigger cities do. Like we have, you know, a staff psychologist, uh, Dr. Graham. We have peer support. We have all this other stuff, and like a very progressive approach to that. Mm-hmm. And even still, there's a lot of cultural barriers and internal barriers, absolutely and distrust that goes on. Well, I think we need to start changing the narrative for the individuals too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, a lot of guys are just unwilling in themselves to discuss it or mm-hmm. to, to come to grips or just to open up and be vulnerable. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pushback against that, not necessarily just in the firefighter or the first responder or veteran community, but mm-hmm. men in general, like like you were saying. 100%. It, it really comes down to changing the narrative like as an individual that it's okay. Like 
that you can talk about these things because mm-hmm. it will be beneficial for mm-hmm. your future. Mm-hmm. And trying to showcase that with with examples is difficult when everyone's resistant to it. Yeah. 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 And really like taking a look at it from the perspective of like this way that I think I have to be or this way that I think I have to act or, or you know, like I, I should keep my feelings in and not talk about them, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You have to like a lot. What cracks me up is a lot of the guys that get like that are the dudes that are, you know, the very, you know, alpha bro type that are like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I bootstraps this. I do all my own blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, and are very about efficiency, right? It's all mm-hmm. about utilitarian and efficiency. It's like really look at that. And if is this acting this way useful? Yeah. Like if you really want to be utilitarian about it, it's not. It's it's hurting us that's why we're seeing more firefighters commit suicide than uh than die in fires every year yeah. which is like insane ludicrous i remember learning it? that and being like are you kidding me mm-hmm. like we at rescue one of the things that our, our specialties mm-hmm. is writ which is rapid intervention team we're mm-hmm. basically the fire this is why we go to every second alarm we're the firefighters that if a firefighter gets in trouble we're the ones that go in and get them out we're supposed to be you know like the best at this right sure and we train on that relentlessly and like but then you look at the numbers and it's like well that's gonna help way less people than, yeah. than this this mental health thing which is Obviously, there's no quick fix for it. It's a, a cultural shift. It's a, it's all these bigger things. But like, I remember learning that and just being blown away. Like, no, like it's 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 no run. It's ludicrous. It yeah. doesn't make ludicrous. any sense. It is. There's a lot of traps built in there for mm-hmm. it, and and mm-hmm. you have to be able to figure out how to navigate that appropriately while still being able to provide those services to the public. Because yeah, yeah, yeah if if you are dealing with mental health problems, then and it's such a detriment that it's you know distracting you from your your task at hand or from the work that you're doing. Then yeah, well guess what? Now you just made that civilian who called you you you, you increase their risk. Yes, the the people who are there that you're working with, you're increasing mm-hmm. their risk as well. Yeah. But at the same time, you raise your hand, you lose your job. Like okay, like how do I walk this line? How do mm-hmm. I make the right decision for myself? And I think there's a big cultural shift that needs to change. There there's a shift from uh, you know general. The general man side mm-hmm. needs to open up and, and be a little For bit more sure. vulnerable. It's, it's that balance. It's yeah. that yeah. balance between the masculine and the feminine, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Sure. Is, yeah. is that nurturing and that, you know, and, and then that provider, you know, you mm-hmm. got to have a balance of both. And if mm-hmm. you're extreme in any capacity, you're not going to find common ground and the ability yeah. to operate yeah. in this and world successfully. And what's tricky too, is you get a lot of pushback. So that everything you just said is a much more, Eastern philosophical view of seeing things. Yes. Like, I don't know how familiar with like Taoism y'all are. The oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, love, I it. love it. I love the Tao Te Ching. I yeah. keep a little copy in my backpack and it's, <laughs> it's all about that balance. And it's all about that. Like we're all like everything is like the, I tell people the, the boiled down version is everything is everything. Um, with meaning, you know, we're all part of the same thing. And so you have all these parts within you. Yeah. And so it's, it's like the, the stereotype that, because I've had guys say that's like, oh, well, men just aren't good at emotions. I'm like, yeah, is that nature or nurture? Because when you really yeah, look at other cultures, no other places in the world, it is, it's totally our fault yeah. <laughs> culturally yeah. for not doing that. We are yeah. capable Absolutely. of doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, and, I'm a, a touchy-feely dude, and I'm not say an that. Yeah, yeah, you could say that as a man. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can't be in touch with my feelings, blah, blah, blah. And, and then you're hurting the most, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. You go and punch a hole in drywall for yeah, and, some and, unknown and reason. And that's your outlet? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that's your outlet? Congratulations. As, as opposed yeah. to being like, hey, man, that makes me upset. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. makes me upset. I'm just yeah. going to have... <laughs> yeah, like, break this. How, oh, my God, that's perfect because, like, it's not even, like, this big... You don't have to go into a room and cry. Yeah. Granted, crying's yeah. great. It's awesome. It's normal. But, like... The the amount of trouble guys have just saying I'm upset about that or I'm sad about that because like the only yeah the only like acceptable that, emotion we're allowed this, to have guys? is anger. For all you audience members out there, try this one out. That makes me feel 
blank. Blank. Yeah. Blank. Yes, that <laughs> makes that. me feel sad. Just say that. Yeah. Because like the only, like I said, the only emotion that we're allowed to have as men is is anger. Mm. Is is really one of the only ones that we're allowed to express. Yeah. Which again, you get the guys that. I think it's a Kyle Kinane joke. He talks about the Midwest. He goes, yeah, we don't talk about feelings. And it's different regionally, too. He's like, we don't talk about feelings up here. You push them down, bury them in alcohol, then one day you punch a picture of your so family for no reason. That's yeah. our example is stuff it down with brown. Yeah, yeah exactly. With yeah. brown. Yeah. <laughs> the cause of end solution stuff to all problems. Stuff it with brown. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you get, you get that, and it's, it's, it'd be so much easier for someone to just be like, no, I'm, I'm sad. You know, because mm. like the only, which this is a whole other conversation, the only space where men are allowed to be passionate or emotional aside from anger is on a stage like hmm. look at again this shows my age a little bit but i part of this big music guy look at joe cocker when that guy would perform is all emotion throwing himself around the stage all that kind of stuff but hmm. then off stage he's not allowed to not allowed to be like that you're not yeah. allowed to yeah. cry unless you're playing a song you know what i mean like yeah it's it's stigmas that need to be broken down absolutely yeah. and it's i think we're, we're we're becoming more aware about it mm-hmm. for sure it yeah. i have a lot of hope with it it's Especially like, like I said, reading that book that I mentioned, it, you read it and, and it feels, parts of it feel so insurmountable because you realize, man, these ideas are so ingrained in our culture. They're ingrained mm-hmm. in, in every, almost baked into every aspect of our life in some way, shape or form, largely of our own doing, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but then you realize like you really take a moment to I talk to guys a little bit younger than me or even guys a little bit old, like we're all having conversations that we weren't having 10 years ago. Like yeah. my, I grew up with a dad, you know. I love him and I'm glad he did this. I grew up with the kind of dad that would regularly tell me, Hey, I love you and mm. would like allow yeah. for that. Whereas, you know, his generation grew up without that. So then they made that improvement and I were, you know, it's, it's yeah. this continuous, just trying to yeah. ultimately be more human. Like you know, I, I throw the feminine and masculine out the window. It's just being more whole humans. Mm-hmm. There, there is uh, an extreme version of that though. Mm-hmm. It's like, is, is going too far. And you know, they're, you know, the millennials, <laughs> I'm I mean, a millennial. I'm a millennial. Yeah. I can say it. I'm a it's millennial. Like, where are you going with this? Yeah. <laughs> Come down. That makes me feel sad. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, but the the millennial mentality was like, let's fix fix that gen- generational past. <laughs> and yeah. now we're seeing in the in the younger generations now that that they're upset by that because it's it's kind of overdoing it a little yeah. bit in some mm-hmm. capacity. You know what I mean? Um, sure. I think I know what you mean. I, yeah, and, yeah, and, and I don't. I don't want to go into politics on this. But well, I mean, no. I think I think that you're you're still you're still hovering in a good spot because they're, you're talking about validating invalid feelings, right? Like every feeling you have should be validated, and that was the overcorrection yeah. that we shifted to right mm-hmm. away. Was that hey, whatever you're feeling is accurate, and we know that to not necessarily be true. Yeah, right. And Does it's... every man need to be tough? No, no. Mm-hmm. But do you have to cry about everything? Also no. Also no. also no, it, but, neither one's very helpful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do we need yeah. do we need tough men? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do need tough men. Does it need to be every man? No. Mm-hmm. But but what do you need to be tough for, right? So for you for instance, for your position. Mm-hmm. You need to be tough because the person you're going in to save, if you start freaking out and shaking while they're trapped and pinned in a car, mm-hmm. their response is not going to be happy. They're going to be no, like, "Oh shit. No. This guy, <laughs> the look on his face says, "I'm about to die," right? Yeah. But if you walk up and you're like, "You know, we're here to save you." But this is what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. then you proceed to do that. You've now reassured that person. You've made them feel safe. If you take that same aspect and your kids, your kids crying about something and you need to be vulnerable with them and you walk up to them with no emotion on your face and you're like, yeah. here's the solution to your problem. Fix it. Yeah. And the kid's like, oh my God, my dad's a robot. Like, no. Rub some dip on it. Yeah. You know? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Copenhagen right yeah. on that wound. I'll, there you go. So, you know, for, yeah. for the application, you know, it depends on it depends on the application, right? And, so, and being it, able to have that broad spectrum of of 
uh, different personality traits mm-hmm. and, and areas that you can access. Yes. And tools comfort that we yeah. talk about all the, the time. The tool yeah. sets, right? It's tool sets. Being comfortable with all that whole that whole mm-hmm. tool set is very important. Yeah. And, and yeah. You, should, you need to work on each and every one of them. And staying in those zones, like, yeah. like I don't need to be in masculine zone all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to be up, oh, ready to crush it all the time. You know, but like, Spending that time with your kids, you know, and that and nurturing that relationship mm-hmm. too brings you and polarizes you, brings you back to that balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there's it, it, there's folks that talk about like dudes that think it's not masculine to wear your kid on one of those carrier things. Like, I love that. I can go on hikes and I'm hanging out with my kid. Yeah. That's what being a dad is, you know. Yeah, and I it's both my hands. And I, I do think <laughs> a lot of what gets frustrating about just the general political discourse, regardless of what end of it you're on or whatever, is is partly because of. You have to simplify stories to get X amount of sound, you know, second soundbite for the news or however many characters for Twitter is things get really reduced down to platitudes very, very Mm, quickly. True story. And like the idea of like, hey, men don't, men can be more than just tough gets boiled down to we don't need tough men. And it's like, well, that's not what anybody's saying but then yeah. that's what people are then t- it's 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 extremes yeah. it's extremes we need to meet it's in the really middle here approaching things like i said with that kind of holistic mindset yeah, where absolutely. like i like i said i in my own head i just throw out the um uh, i throw out the the idea of like oh well man do this women do that masculine feminine. it's like just just be a whole person yeah. whatever that is whatever that balances if you're more nurturing but able to be tough if you're more tough able to be nurturing or whatever you know dichotomy or whatever thing you want to you want to put it under just you know be whole there's a, yeah. a Poet, poet, poet has a line where he's like, I don't care to be good. I care to be whole. And mm. it's, it's like that's – approach it with that kind of you – know, Amazing. Whole human concept. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap it up, because I know we're sure. coming up on some time. Uh, Sorry, I ramble, man. Dude, this has <laughs> no, been, this been good, a brother. great conversation. But I know you had a cool story that uh, we wanted to try to fit in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got blown up. I did. I and, did, which and is the weird audience to say. Is, they're going to want to hear it. I know I... they're going to want to hear it. <laughs> So yeah, um, this is back when I was on Ladder 17. I had been in the department uh, two years, um, and we you know, came into structure fire. Uh, there was a lot of weird factors. The driveway was a pain they had to get up. Our truck wouldn't fit up, but the engine did, so I was on the truck, so we hop off carrying a bunch of extra tools and get up there, and okay. first thing we notice is you know, smoke's coming out of the eaves, and it's brown, which you know, there's ways to read smoke, and I'll just say brown just means wood is burning, meaning it's in the structure. It's not mm-hmm. stuff inside that's burning. Um, or it's not the contents, it's the actual structure. Um, so we already know it's going to be bigger and, you know, we're, we're there working a lot. We go, we're tearing walls up and thinking we're finding it, but we're not finding it. And it's, it's kind of chasing us all around because it's this house. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the video, the, the poem that I wrote about this, but I included news footage where you could see the house, big house with a bunch of additions that were added onto it. And because of that, there's void spaces that the fire was getting into. The layout didn't make sense. So it was hard to search Mm. and, you know, we're working, finding it. We think we get to the seat of it. And so me and my Lieutenant, uh, he just goes, all right, Hey, let's get this primary knocked out. We're going to go to this other half of the building where this engine crew isn't. So we go on the second floor and while we're up there, you see conditions rapidly changing. It went from, I could see across the room standing up to, oh, I need to be on my hands and knees in order to see three feet in front of me. Like it got Mm -hmm. smoke banked down pretty quick. It's always a bad sign. So we're searching, don't find anything. We come out and we go back in where we were before because we're like, oh, we we then find out that wasn't the seat. The seat's upstairs, Hmm. which fun fact, what caused it again, because they keep putting additions on this house. They put this new wood floor in one of the additions, but they were stripping the wood floor to redo it. 
but they didn't properly ventilate. And so like the varnish or whatever, the stripper, uh, not the stripper, but the, you, you know what I mean? The stuff, uh, <laughs> the fumes went down the stairs and got lit by the uh, pilot light in the hot water Shit. heater. So it lit a whole floor on fire at once. Because when we got there, there were these two workers that came running out all singed. And we're like, well, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go, and they went right to the, the medic unit. And we're like, okay, I guess we'll find out what that was. Um, but... Uh, we go back in because, again, they, we think we found the seat of it. And we go in with, uh, I think it was Engine 24s in front of us. And this is me and my lieutenant. And we, I, I saw it happen, too. You know, So there's something called Backdrafts. also called Smoke Explosion, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they made a docudrama on it called Backdraft. The star is Robert De Niro. Um, it's 100% factual. Uh, <laughs> and Backdraft, too. <laughs> and Backdraft, too. I forgot about Backdraft, too, for good reason. Anyway, um, but they, uh, what essentially happens is you need you know, three components for fire to burn. You need the fuel, you need oxygen or an oxidizer and you need heat. Mm -hmm. And what happens in a backdraft is it's not getting, uh, the oxygen that it needs. And so it's, it's hot and black smoke all trapped in somewhere. But as soon as it gets enough of that oxygen, it'll light off and all the smoke will light on fire and it's explosive. It's, you know, it goes boom. Um, we go in there and we actually heard a pop that turned out to be an explosion on the second floor, but where we were, we, Firegrounds very loud between all the trucks and the smashing and the whatever yeah. else. It's, it's hard to know. So we heard something. We're like, well, that was weird. And then somebody pulls ceiling where we're at and it opens up. And then you just saw just instantaneous. just this wall of like black and orange. Swallow them. I swallow my lieutenant up. He falls back and hits me. And then I got, I don't know if it's from him or the actual force of it. Because I rewatched the video and the force of it shoots stuff clear across the yard onto the next <laughs> property. But I got knocked out of the doorway that we were in onto the driveway. And because of the, it was a uh, inward swinging door, the doorway then closed. And so I, I don't remember getting back up. I know I hit the ground. The guy that was out there said that I hit the ground and just kind of did like a boom and ran back in. But in my own head, it's like I knew I fell. But then next thing I know, I was on my feet kind of thing. Because okay. I was already heading back in. Because in my head, I'm like, oh, these guys are toast. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. it was, this was the thing we learn about in the academy. This is yeah. a backdrop. This is, it could, it can turn into a flashover quickly after that, which, Flashover is where uh, the temperature gets hot enough in there to where the uh, smoke lights on fire because yeah. smoke is just unburned particles. It's all carbon still. Yeah, that will light up, and then very quickly you have like uh, temperatures at the ceiling of like two thousand degrees. Yeah, and everything it's, it goes dead. And yeah. you can watch videos where it happens. It's wild. You'll see like furniture starts like steaming, and then all that steam catches on fire, and it's so quick. Mm-hmm. And usually it'll happen after an event like a backdraft because now oh there's this now all this can light off. And so I throw the door open and they just all come stumbling out and like, luckily nobody got hurt, but, Damn. but yeah. And we, the thing with that though too, is it's, you'd think it's like, Oh, that's, that was rough. Let's take a knee. But no, we were like, well now the fire's bigger. Cause it got, yeah. so we had to keep working and go at it. And I think that's one of the only fires where, because we were the first in truck and then we just stayed up there working cause they mm-hmm. were having trouble getting crews up this super long, narrow driveway with trees all over it. Yeah. Um, I think it was the first time I ever, I was like, eventually at one point on a two and a half inch line outside when it finally hit me, I'm just working, working, working. It was the first time I sort of slowed down, which holding that kind of line and kneeling on it, you're still doing work to yeah. keep it from hitting the ground and shooting off from underneath you. Yeah, definitely. I did the whole open my mask and threw up <laughs> and put it back on and then kept it like, <laughs> yeah. it was, it wasn't until, what was weird about it too, is it wasn't until like a week later that it really hit me what happened. Cause yeah. in the moment, you know. I'm fairly, I'm like just off probation. I'm new to the fire department. A buddy of mine from the Academy shows up and he mm. just kind of noticed that I was like a little, a little more activated. Yeah. He goes, you good? I'm like, Man, I got blown up, dude. And he was just <laughs> like, Oh, and he's a, a, a Marine veteran who also was blown up and dude, and we've joked, we yeah. had drinks about it since and been like to getting blown up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
you know, it didn't hit me till like a week, week or two later when that's when we had, uh, the Ingram fire where Scott Deem died okay. and like, I didn't know him well, but I, I knew who he was. I'd met him. I'd worked out with him a couple of times and mm-hmm. it like really made it click that like, shit, we got lucky. Mm-hmm. Like, how yeah. did we get so lucky? And these guys didn't, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And it like, that's where it then started messing me. And that's where like, luckily I, prior to being in the fire service, had a therapist, get one, go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel uh, like. And was able to like process a lot of that stuff out, but it, yeah. it really, yeah, it's, it definitely, it's, 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 uh, it's something. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a dangerous job. job. It's a dangerous it is. Job. Yeah. It is. And like, you know, and it's not like that was the first dangerous situation I'd been in by that point. I'd already made a good amount of fires and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff where you're like, oh yeah, you know, so long as you keep your bearings right, you know what you're doing. Oh yeah, you're good. And it's like, we got this, but it's like, no stuff out of your control can happen because yeah. you don't have the whole picture. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. And even at that fire too, there was a battalion chief who was looking in a window and saw us right when it happened. He thought we were all dead. Mm-hmm. And like, just to give you an idea of how, not quickly you can get tunnel vision, but just how big a fire scene can get to where it's like, you don't know everything that's going on. Yeah, you could sure. be the best, the best firefighter in the world and stuff can still happen. You know? Yeah. Same thing applies to any job that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You can be the best, but you're, I, I don't know. I, everything is a dice roll, honestly. When you really look at it. Some of I it's out that. of your control. Oh yeah. yeah to, absolutely. To nerd out about it, to, I liken it to, I play Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if you guys do, nerd. but, uh, <laughs> it's great. I love it. I own it. It's whatever. Uh, um, I liken it to, you know, you can, you do have agency in life. You have, mm-hmm. you know, some choices, but there's so much that is out of your control. But yeah. what you can do is, oh, well, you know, everything's a dice roll, but, I've worked on this stat so that when I roll the dice, I have a little bit better chance, but yeah. there's always that chance of rolling a one. There's always that chance of, yeah. of bad things happening regardless, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause what is that luck is when preparation meets timing. Yep. Right. And that's kind of what it comes down to, but sh- man, you're the timing can be wrong and the luck can come up crappy. Like that's still, but you, that's you a know, fact. You're not burned at all. You're looking good. <laughs> no, I, the- that was the amazing thing is I, afterwards me and my Lieutenant were talking about it and I was just like, how did we not get hurt, dude? Cause there mm-hmm. were guys that were upstairs when the first explosion happened. And he's like, I don't know. He was cause I guess our gear's good. I'm like, I guess so. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like good. I've watched the videos so many times where you see like the first explosion and there's like whole sections of drywall that come blasting out. The I want to see this video. Yeah, like, definitely. You gotta send it to me for sure. We'll do, we'll do. And uh and then the one that happens downstairs, like I said, you, it's column of smoke shoots clear across this huge driveway, and it's like Damn. How the hell do we not get hurt? I know. That's amazing. <laughs> With how many of us were there? Yeah. Good gear, yeah. brother. Yeah. Good gear. Like, the only thing that got damaged was the engine that was first in in the driveway because it eventually got so hot it bubbled the paint on the side of the oh, engine. Okay. Yeah. And the guy working the pump panel had to have his coat over his head to keep working the pump panel. Man. But that's rough, hot. dude. Whew. Well, yeah. thanks for sharing your story, brother. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I really appreciate your service. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and and you too, man. Nah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome for my, that's another running joke at the station of just like, you're welcome for my service. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. It's been great. I, dude, we could chat for hours, yeah, man. So yeah. we're definitely going to have to have you, you back on and love to. Absolutely. Love to man. We, didn't, we didn't even get a chance to talk about poetry, but yeah. yeah. yeah I know. Yeah. I know. We, uh, we went over a half hour, so yeah, that works. That works. It'll be yeah. Perfect. We'll punch, have you back on. Punch my name in YouTube and type full disclosure after my name. And if you punch, 
much my name in YouTube, you get a bunch of poetry anyway. But mm. that one is the one that I wrote about that incident. Okay. That includes footage of the actual explosion and all that yeah. stuff. I cut out. It's like a 20 minute video and it's really like 10 seconds that you need yeah. to see. But That's good. And Instagram, social out. media, like where do yeah. we find you? Um, at Kevin W. Burke. Um, I have a book of poetry out now through Write About Now Publishing or okay. Write About Now Poetry. So you check them out. Um, but yeah, I'm not huge on the social media as much anymore. I'm on Instagram. Ever since I had a kid, I made it private because I feel ways about pictures of my kid being out there yeah um but i have a new book coming out this spring that's going to be mostly about firefighting and mental health and uh is there a name for that one yet uh right now the working title is tailboard field notes okay um i think that's one we're going with um but uh that'll be coming out in spring again through right about now uh poetry and yeah and uh if anybody out there is sitting on a whole bunch of money and wants to help me with my student loan for my master's in mental health <laughs> let me know there you go um <laughs> so gotta put that out there yeah on the awesome. off chance yeah. <laughs> awesome brother thank you well thank you very much for uh for joining us yeah, today thank you all for having me of course Absolutely, man. brother yeah. this has been the medevac podcast ladies and gentlemen thank you for watching and uh remember Share this if you got something out of today's episode. We'll follow, see you next time. Follow us on Instagram. Oh, yeah, that Ask too. Ask us questions. Yeah. Let us know who you want to see, who you want to hear from, what you want us to talk about, all that jazz. You know the, you know the gist. All right. Bye. Take care.